Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quattromani, and this show is brought to you by Navman. Now, Navman have officially been a sponsor for 12 months of the podcast, and I really do appreciate their the support. Uh, this is the one-year anniversary of the podcast. Now, thinking back a little bit, guys, not a year ago, maybe more than that, I remember the days I used to get into taxis, and you would say where you needed to go, and the taxi driver would grab this big, thick book, reach back to you and be like, where do you want to go? And he used to make you pinpoint the actual location and potentially even direct them through the maps as well. It was an absolute nightmare. Anyone who used to use those UBD devices, you'd be flicking through 100 pages and then the, the road goes off the page. So you have to turn quickly to make sure you know where you're going up to. It was a nightmare. Obviously, with navigation units now available, some built into cars, but many are not. And one of the great things that Navman does have, obviously, is a large range of navigation units. And you do now see taxi drivers using these instead of the UBD, a Navman. Now, I am looking right at the moment at the Move 130M. This is 139 bucks. This is $139 to make sure that you do not get lost again. That road trip you're planning, that trip to an important dinner at a restaurant, you will not be late. You will get there on time. You will have perfect navigation thanks to the free maps that are always included with these Navman navigation units. Always update them. Make sure you know about every new road that does get built in your area. Free updates. You can't beat it. $139 with all of the alerts that you don't actually get from other navigation systems. So speed limit alerts, landmark guidance, all those kind of things, even lane assistance. This is stuff that you get above and beyond thanks to Navman. Now, we're going to get on with what should be a cracker show. Once again, thank you to Navman for their support. And if you are in the market for a navigation unit or one of their fantastic dash cams, do check them out at navman.com.au. Now to celebrate the 12-month, one-year anniversary, I don't know what to call it, uh, I've opened a bottle of Empathy Wines. Now, this is a red wine. It's a California red. It comes from a guy who really inspired me to get into tech in an external way over a decade ago. This is a guy who used to own a wine, or actually still does own a wine store in New Brunswick in America and started doing YouTube videos talking about wine, just tasting wine, spitting it out, talking about it. And then it inspired me to do the same, but with tech. And that's essentially what we're doing here on the show. But I'm having a glass of wine along the way. He now has his own range of wines, and Empathy Wines is the company name. And uh, this red wine is a California blend. I actually really like California reds. I think that they're stunning. This one's got black cherry, a bit of blackberry, quite full-bodied. Uh, it's a really nice, nice drop. Now, I got this from Vino Mofo. I, I bought this wine, okay? I mean, I owe the guy a fair bit. But, uh, you know, I bought this bottle, and I'm looking on their website now, and they're almost out of stock. So it looks like I'm going to have to buy another one because they won't get another shipment. Um, that's the thing about wine. I think I mentioned it before. Once it's gone, it's gone. Now, today on the show, um, first and foremost, I need to say thank you. I need to say thank you to you listening, uh, whether you listened from episode zero or whether you're listening for the first time today. Uh, thank you for tuning in. I have obviously noticed uh, over the 12 months that numbers are going up. Uh, when I look at how many people listen in the first seven days of every episode, Yes, that number is going up. And the way I like to see it is I think of it as a room of people. And at the start, when 10 people would listen um, within that first seven days, I would think, 
you know what? Imagine getting 10 people into a room who were happy to listen to me rabbit on about technology um, for 30 minutes. That's quite nice. So I was always happy. I was always happy at 10. Trust me, I'm even happier today. I, I, I've been judging it in terms of um, rooms, meeting rooms, uh, conference rooms, theaters, um, and I've looked up landmarks to find out capacities. And eventually, I'm looking forward to when I can say that, uh, you know, we've got stadium attendance within the first seven days and things like that. It's a fun way of measuring it because I actually think of you all as real people and not just a number. So a massive thank you for those who listen. A huge thank you to the guests that I've had on the show. It was not something I had planned at the beginning of Technology Uncorked. I thought it would just be me rabbiting on. Actually, it turns out it's really nice to have a guest come on, especially somebody who's a specialist in a particular area. And many of you have been really good in actually suggesting guests, and we've pulled through on some of those. We had the uh, communications minister, Paul Fletcher, come on the show to defend and talk about the NBN, talk about 5G. That still is one of the most popular episodes that we've done. Uh, One interview with Domino's is absolutely a great memory for me, uh, talking about innovation around pizza making. I mean, who would have thought? And obviously this week we had uh, Snapchat, and I didn't think we'd ever get to get the chance to talk to somebody from Snapchat. But here we are. So again, keep your suggestions coming, whether it's a product you want to hear more about, or it's a trend, or if there's a particular guest, doesn't even have to be a person around tech, but we can find out about their tech life and we can talk to them about that as well. So today on the show, yes, I had to open up with that. I had to say a huge thank you all for listening, but we're going to talk about a bit of technology as well. And what actually is kind of crazy is we're going to talk a lot about Samsung. And I I tweeted about this during the week that there seems to be, during COVID, some brands who've gone dark. Some brands have gone bananas. Samsung is one of them. I feel like almost every week I'm attending something from Samsung, whether it's about a smart door, dial, a door lock, what, what are my words, door lock, or a phone, or a tablet, or a TV. Today, we're going to talk about the new Fold. We're going to talk about two new home entertainment devices. And then we're going to talk about air purifiers. Yes, I've been testing a Samsung one. We're going to talk about air purifiers in general because I didn't know if they were real or not or if they actually did anything. And I'll talk to you about that and some advice I had from real experts around air purification as well. So phones, TVs, projectors, and air purifiers. Let's get on with it. Now, first and foremost, we're going to talk about the Fold 2. Now, I had tested the Fold originally. And it was a tablet that folded in half and on the outside had a small screen that you could use just like a phone. It was an interesting device and it was one of the first of the foldables that we started to see. Uh, We saw the Motorola Razr come through. We've seen the Galaxy Z Flip. Uh, But now we're talking about the Fold 2. And the Fold 2 is an improvement as you'd expect on the Fold 1. The screen on the inside actually is all screen now. Instead of having a separate you know, indent where the cameras lived and things like that. That's all now much nicer and better integrated than it used to be with a bit of a punch hole instead. On the front, when you fold it in half, I complained about how small that screen was and how really unusable it was in terms of using it as a folded phone. They've now made that front screen as tall as the entire device. It is still thin, so I'll be very curious to see what it's like to use and type on, but the fold has absolutely matured. And This is obviously what you'll expect with innovation. The first one always tends to be a bit of an experiment. Those who are crazy about the idea or want to be the first early adopter, that kind of people, makes sense they're going to buy them. The Fold 2 is going to be the one that I expect will actually really start to be seen in public. Because to be honest, I haven't seen a Fold 1 in public. 
I haven't seen anybody using one. Let me know if you have. Now, this one does have 5G. The previous one did not. Uh, it's got all the other things you'd expect, NFC, GPS, Wi-Fi 6, which is, which is great to see. It's got 12 gigs of RAM. It's got 256 gigs of storage. This is a monster. It's an absolute monster. The display looks fantastic. They're doing a lot of work now around what it means to fold a phone. It's not just about having an open shut device, but what does it mean when you fold it halfway there? And they're allowing you to do things like split the screen. So say, for example, you're about to take a photo. If you have it folded in a 90 degree angle on the bottom half, you'll actually be able to scroll through the gallery and see the photos that you've just taken. And on the top half, you'll see what you're about to take a photo of. In the same sense that if I'm going to take a photo of somebody and I have the device unfolded, that front screen, that little smaller screen, will actually show the person you're taking um, the photo of a, a live view of what it looks like. So you can make sure it's framed up and they can make sure they're framed up as well. So they're really making the most of the screens. I think in the first edition, they really just wanted to make the device and put the technology out there. Now they're thinking about, well, if I've got all these two, I've got these two displays, one's a small tablet, one's a bit of a phone, how can we make them work better together? That continuity from the first screen to the inside screen is still there as well. So if you're um, looking up something on Google Maps and you hit start or you are viewing that, when you actually open the device, you'll see it continue. It moves to that screen on a larger display. Same thing with a phone call. You could be on a call, close it, and it continues as well. So really nice device. It's definitely a powerhouse. This is something that you know, people who are on the road a lot are going to gravitate to. It's not for somebody who just wants to make phone calls, guys. This is an expensive, expensive unit. We're talking about 2999 Not cheap. Going to be available September, no, pre-order from September 9th and on sale September 25th. I do expect they'll have one in my hands very, very soon. And I'm looking forward to checking it out. Um, mainly because I want to almost see how much I can go away from a laptop with this device. I know it will replace a smartphone. We get that. But can it also be a laptop replacement? I may actually see if I can, you know, just plug my monitor into it, plug a keyboard and mouse into it, and just use the Samsung DeX uh, tool and see if that becomes a real laptop replacement, or at least in some capacity. Now, they also announced a new fold. Uh, so the Z Fold, which is more the phone that folds into a very small makeup case. That is coming as well. Uh, it's not going to be until I think it's October-ish. Um, and that's going to be about two grand as well. The biggest change that I can really see from that one is they've added 5G. So yet again, another device which has 5G uh, on it. Samsung must have maybe around 10 devices now that support the 5G network. It's just awesome to see. It makes sense. The one warning I'm going to give about both of these devices is water ratings. So one of the big things with a folded phone is um, getting them wet. There's hinges, there's things exposed. It's actually a screen that folds in half and there are gaps. They're saying that it's now resistant to droplets and it can repel dust. Dust was actually a worry about them before, um, but it's not water resistant. So in the same way, you've got your normal smartphones that if you spill a glass of water on it, no big deal. Uh, it is a big deal in these cases, not just because of the price, but because they actually can't handle it. So. If you do get one, please be wary of that. You can't fix it with a case. Um, you can't, you're not going to find waterproof cases for it. That would mo look more like a Ziploc bag to really be effective. So a bit of a warning there on the two foldables, new foldables that are coming from Samsung. I will actually mention as well, um, so it's not just a Samsung podcast, TCL, I, I joined a briefing with them this week and the person presenting, I forget his name, but he talked about a rollable screen. 
and it's a prototype. But what we saw was a smartphone that actually had a bit of a grip on one side. And when you pulled it from the right, the screen would unravel and become a tablet. So you can imagine a screen that is actually tucked into the back of the device. And then when you pull it from one side, it actually unrolls. If you know those scrolls that pirates used to use or you see in the things, how it just unravels, that's really what, the, what TCL is doing with, with screens. So Samsung wants to fold, TCL wants to roll. Waiting for, to see when that sort of becomes a device that actually we can see and touch, that's going to be fascinating because the idea of just pulling a screen to make it bigger, I think is better than trying to fold a screen. But who knows? I'm always concerned about the longevity of these screens and the displays after being wrapped and rolled and folded so often. How long can that really last? But uh, anyway, let's wait and see. Now, Samsung then did another announcement. So it seems like a whole week, almost every day, they've just been drip feeding bits and pieces out to us. This is around the televisions. Now, I have, and I've spoken about this before, I have in my house the Samsung Frame TV. And that was one of their first kind of lifestyle TVs that they brought to market. They then followed with a thing called a Serif, which looked like something that belongs nicely on a fireplace. They then had the Cero, which we talked about in January, which is a TV that rotates to be portrait or landscape mode. And now we're talking about something for the outdoors. And I really like this because I'm seeing a lot of people sticking televisions outside and they just get any TV that normally belongs on the wall inside the home and they just put it underneath their pergola or their alfresco area and that's it. They might put a cover over it in the days that they're not using it, but otherwise that's, that's their way of watching TV outside, whether it's sport or whatever the case is. So Samsung has obviously noticed that people are doing that and they made a product called the Terrace. I like that name. I kind of like it. Now, it's a screen for the outside. But what does that mean? Do you just take a normal TV and you put a different brand on it? Well, it doesn't seem like it. So what Samsung is doing here, they've actually made it water resistant. So it's actually got an IP55 rating, which means it's resistant to water and dust. And that means that if you left it outside, a bit of uh, obviously dust, but you know, if you've got construction nearby, you know what it's like with with dust and stuff like that that does land on your outdoor furniture, this TV can handle that. It's not going to get inside the TV and break stuff. Um, naturally, if you're yelling at the TV, maybe someone gets a bit feisty with their beer, the TV is not going to break either. I don't think it's this kind of TV you're just going to leave outside in the elements where it gets rained on, but I imagine if there is some level of drip, it's not going to be a huge problem. But it's more than that. And what's actually interesting is that they're working on the brightness. So the brightness of these TVs will be extremely amplified so that sunlight or direct sunlight on the screen shouldn't be too much of a problem, but also glare. We all know that glare outside would be the biggest problem when it comes to TVs. They usually have a bit of a glass finish on the outside, no reflections, no glare. And with the added brightness means that in, you know, at midday when you're having lunch, lunch barbecue, watching the telly, it'll actually be seen. And this is something that's really cool because I've seen far too often where they pull the TV out. And you can't really see what's going on because you're either seeing your own face in the reflection or the image is completely washed out because of the sunlight that does get reflected onto the TV. So that's going to be a huge, huge move from Samsung. The bigger kicker that I can see here is the price. Now, this is nuts. <laughs> this is quite nuts. The 55 inch, um, reasonable size for underneath an alfresco area, I think, 5999. So six grand for an outdoor television, which for the most part, people aren't watching daily. You know, people don't spend that much on their indoor TV. So this is absolutely for 
that house in St. Ives or name a rich place um, where, you know, they're going to be having little soirees outside, but they want to have the TV on or I don't know. It's a lot of money. It's a heck of a lot of money. Um, I've definitely not needed a TV outside that badly to spend six grand on it. However, if you are and you are in this market, you can go 75 inch for $11,000. They also have a soundbar, and this is actually probably very smart. They have a soundbar um, called the Terrace Soundbar, which will obviously be perfect for outdoors. Same thing in terms of that water resistance and stuff like that. It looks quite nice and not bulky, but it looks like a big slate, and that will just stick to your wall as well. That's going to be $12.99, which is kind of reasonable nowadays in terms of soundbars. But if you're buying the TV, yeah, slap on the extra soundbar so at least you can hear what's going on. But again, the soundbar is great for music, and I don't, I don't know who's watching movies outside on a on a smaller TV like this, but if you're watching sport, I actually think the TV speakers are usually enough, but who knows? If you want to go all out, you can go 11 grand for the 75-inch Terrace TV, added the uh, $1,300 soundbar, and away you go. I mean, it's very interesting. Now, the other space that Samsung announced into was projectors. Now, they're big in TVs. I don't think I've ever seen a Samsung projector before. Now, called the Premiere, you know exactly where this projector is meant to go. It's for the home theater. It's a short throw projector. And I love that because most projectors, they need to be ceiling mounted. They require some distance. And even then it's, it's a pain. You walk in front of it, you get shadows. It's, you know, projectors have their problems. But when you go short throw, it means that the projector can actually sit on the entertainment unit where you would have normally put a television, literally that close to the wall. Usually within 30 centimeters is enough of a, of a gap to the wall. And this one will project a 130-inch, not display, image. It will project 130 inches. That's massive. So we're talking about a projector that does short throw projection. It's 4K. This is big, ultra short throw 4K projector. This is like the bee's knees for a home theater if you're going to get serious about it. Um, the fact that it's 4K is a big deal. The fact that it's short throw is an even bigger deal. It's a laser projector, so we actually would think that even if you had a bit of glare coming from the outside, the image would still be quite good. Um, those ones that tend to just use regular bulbs, you really need proper darkness to make it work. But being a laser projector, I'm happy to hear that. Um, but let's wait and see what happens. This one does not have a price yet. It's not going to be cheap. When Hisense did it, um, theirs had a built-in speakers and stuff like that, but they did it, it was about 11 grand. So I imagine the Samsung one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with 15, to be honest ballpark 15 grand, maybe 12 if it's not got any speakers at all. But let's wait and see. But if you're in the market or you're building a home theater and you want to go big, go big. 130 inches, you're not buying a TV that big. 130 inches, short throw. Oh man, hold on tight for that one. That's the, uh, the premiere from Samsung. All right, now let's talk air purifiers. Now, I never had an air purifier in my life. We live in Australia where we're in the top 10 for air quality ratings, top 10 globally. Okay. So Australia does pretty good. You go outside, you can take a big suck in of that air and it's good stuff. It's healthy. Feels good. But when Samsung invited me to attend a briefing about their new air purifier, they've now got a range of air purifiers. I was very skeptical, but that's why I decided to join because there might be something to learn. Now, one of the things that they did say was that uh, studies not conducted by them, this is what I liked, studies that uh, they've picked up, I think it was the EPA or someone like that who actually put this together, we're spending up to 90% of our lives indoors, probably more than that with COVID and lockdowns and stuff like that. But 
the interesting part here is if you're spending so much time inside, your indoor air quality can be up to five times worse than outside. So as much as I say that Australia has amazing air quality, once you get inside your home, you're actually then impacted by things like pets, aerosols, dust, um, mold. There's, there's stuff going on inside the house that does not happen outside. And as a result, your air quality can be worse. Now, I don't suffer from allergies. I don't have asthma. Naturally, people who do have allergies or suffer from asthma, they already know about air purifiers. They probably already get it. But for me, I was absolutely thinking that air purifying was pretty much the same as hanging a dream catcher in the bedroom. You know, good luck. Not going to do anything. Well, I was wrong. And I'll get, I'll get into that. First of all, I, I put a call out. I put a call out to some experts. I'm like, guys, I need to talk to air health experts because I could talk to Samsung, but I didn't want to get just the marketing spiel. So I reached out to the National Asthma Council. They have a sensitive choice program. And uh, Adele Taylor is, is a lady that I spoke to. And what was interesting was, was something she told me, which is around that it's important. I'm, I'm reading a quote here because I want, to make it, I want to get it right. She said, it's important to vacuum carpeted home offices often. Now, I have a home office at the moment. I get it. I need to keep the place clean. But she said, when you do vacuum, it can actually stir up a lot of trapped particles and throw them up into the air. So when you're you know, rubbing that vacuum cleaner up and down the carpet, yeah, it's going to pick up a fair bit of that. But there's a lot of air particles and stuff, which who knows, like dead skin, hair, dust, other crap that sits inside your carpet, which is not being picked up by the vacuum. And all you're doing is throwing that up in the air for us to breathe in. That's what the air purifier can certainly help with, especially if you're obviously an asthma sufferer where, uh, where she specializes in. And that was really nice to have that conversation. And as part of this whole call out, I had the professor of global environmental health at the Australian National University. Uh, his name is Sotiris. I'm sorry, I'm getting the last name wrong. Sotiris Vardulakis. He actually worked on air quality uh, to the point that he was wearing a backpack that would continually measure air quality, would wear it around all day to really understand the different changes in air quality that we experience. Now, one of the things that, that he did was work with Dyson on, on different studies. And again, I don't love it when they partner with brands on studies, but I get that they need funding and that could be one of the reasons for it. Now, he told me that you know, certain groups, I'm, I'm quoting, certain groups may be particularly sensitive to the effects of air pollutants, including young children, pregnant women, the elderly, and one in nine Australians who suffer from respiratory health conditions such as asthma, hay fever, and bronchitis. So air purifiers, fantastic for all those people. Again, not me, not pregnant. I'm not a young child. I'm not quite elderly. Um, and I don't suffer from respiratory health conditions such as asthma, as far as I'm aware. So I get it. We then talked about HEPA filters, H-E-P-A, um, activated carbon filters. Both of those live inside this Samsung one. I'm like, tick, tick. That's great. It's good to hear that they are extremely important. However, I also started to think, well, hang on a minute. HEPA filters, H-E-P-A, I'm often seeing on advertising of air conditioners, like split systems. And I thought, well, hang on. What if somebody has an air conditioner? Does that mean they're also purifying the air? So what did I do? I reached out to a company called Original Safe T-Air, um, Gordon Sandor. He's the manager there. And uh, we talked about this. And I said, talk to me about HEPA filters and air conditioners today. Do I need an air purifier if I've got an air conditioner with a HEPA filter? And he basically was quite clear about something. And so first of all, um, HEPA filters can trap up to 99% of germs. Fantastic. He said, however, 
lift the cover off one of the units and look inside. Yes, they'll say they've got a HEPA filter, and I hope I'm pronouncing that word correctly. It could be HEPA. Um, however, the filter usually only covers around 10% of the entire intake part of the air conditioner. So when the air conditioner is sucking up all that air to then spit out cool or warm air, whatever you've re required, it actually only filters about 10% of the air that it is being sucked through. So essentially what he's saying is that you know, air is like water. So most of the air will flow around the HEPA filter and not through it. So yes, it's got that filter so they can tick a box, but they're actually not filtering all the air that it's you know, billowing back out to you. So, okay, another reason why I probably would need an air purifier and not just an air conditioner. So with all of that in mind, okay, let's get started on, on testing this thing. So connected to a PowerPoint, this thing looks like a kind of a, like a small bar fridge. It's an all white unit. On top, it's got some touch sensitive buttons and it's very easy. You, you install this massive carbon filter. Pretty much the whole device is filters. Um, and then the top panel is really where all the controls are and the brains. And on off, very simple. Um, there is a digital screen at the top, which gives you readings and it gives you readings around the air quality. Um, not a lot of that makes sense to most people, but the good thing to know is that it's got indicators as well. So blue is good, green is okay, amber is uh-oh, and red is like, where are you? Um, so you have those sort of indicators, which is good. And then the lower the number, the better. Um, I, it does go up to 999, I can tell you that. Um, and when I turned it on, my air room quality was pretty good. I'm like, okay, cool. The thing's doing its job. I noticed that it can go into sleep mode, which means that the fans go even quieter. You can barely hear the device. Um, it's actually sitting next to me now, and I'm pretty sure it's not interrupting uh, this recording. And it just works. It connects to smart things, which means that I can control it on my phone. I can check the reading uh, from my phone from anywhere. I can turn it off, on. I can schedule uh, when it turns on and off. And I like that. But then it was interesting. So I've had this thing running, I'm like, okay, sitting in my office. That's great. My office smells okay. Um, the other interesting part, too, I have to talk about is this thing blows the air out in three different directions, up and both sides. And it does that, which is great, but it's sometimes at quite a bit of force. And it creates a bit of a breeze in this room. And in the cooler days, you don't want that. So you actually almost want to turn this thing down to the point that it's not being effective anymore. Dyson do make models that do hot and cold. So they almost, are a, a, it's a, basically a fan slash heater slash air purifier. This being just an air purifier does not heat the air on the way out, meaning you're just getting it blowed back out to you. In the summertime, I expect that's great. In the wintertime, bit of a problem. I would probably move it out of the room if it was going to be used longer term. But we then had on the weekend, um, and this is why it's the right time to talk about this product now, on the weekend, we had some backburning going on. Now, if you live in Sydney, you'd know that last weekend we had some backburning going on. And my house, I don't know what it is. There might be a gap somewhere in the front door. But when there's smoke in the air, it's smoking inside the house. And I came home, was like, oh my God, I thought it was stinky outside. The house stank of smoke. And I've woken up some mornings where it feels like the air is quite thick because there's been back burning or fire, um, fires going on around me. And that's where I went, hang on a minute. If I was asthmatic, I'd be on the floor. And I turned the air purifier on. That thing, because it's set to auto mode, so it detects and works as hard or as, or as easy as it needs to, that thing went into overdrive. It just went, hang on a minute. And I was getting scores above 200 where I normally have a score of five. This thing was red, glowing red in terms of how bad things were. And it was billowing air back out to me. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like this thing knows what's going on and it's working hard for it. 
So left it on, and I'm not kidding you. I mean, obviously with the doors closed and things like that, um, that thing took the smoke out of the out of the house. The smell was gone. It may have taken a little bit of time, but it didn't take long. So I woke up that morning, didn't have the smell of smoke in the house, wasn't choking on anything. It really made a big difference. And if you were an asthmatic, that makes sense. That completely sells the product. And it's not until you have you know back burning going on or a bushfire that you really do realize that. But massive call out there. It did the job perfectly. The other thing that's also important to know is that the carbon filter um, helps filter out odors. Now, there could be a whole, whole different types of odors that you have in your home. But for me, um, it was one thing I noticed when you sprayed aerosol. So when I put deodorant on or antiperspirant, um, the thing would go bananas. It would really notice it. Even from the other side of the room, it would pick up on it very quickly and it would start to work harder. And the numbers on the, on the screen would go up to like 400 sometimes. If you spray fly spray, again, that smell of the fly spray would disappear faster if you've got an air purifier and that odor and stuff like that is just completely gone. So I, I do like that at least you can prove that it works in that sense because when you can't see the work that it's doing around you know, dust particles and stuff like that, you can't usually physically see it. That's the test that I could use is use my other senses, not my vision, but my smell. Um, so that's really cool. So the air purifier works, okay? It works. I don't have allergies and I can tell you that it works. And I can tell you that because of the other things that it did. The bushfire stuff had to have been the biggest example where I can say, tick, tick, tick. Am I uh, going to tell you go and buy one? Well, that depends on how much those sort of things bother you. If you are happy with a bit of smoke in the house, fine. If you don't suffer from allergies, then don't worry about it, maybe. But if you're in the market for an air purifier, um, they're not just hocus pocus. And it took that research to do it. Maybe you're already saying, I get it, I already knew about all this stuff, but maybe you didn't. And the range from Samsung starts at $449. The unit that I tested was $799. Not cheap. Not cheap. Not cheap. Well, 800 bucks is a lot of money. But if it has a huge impact on how you breathe, I get it. Samsung obviously specifies these different models to go with the size of the house or the room that it's in. The cheaper ones, put it in a kid's bedroom if they suffer from allergies. They'll sleep better at night. That's the idea. They also go even higher than $799. That's not the top of the line. I think there's like up to $1,200 you can spend on air purifiers. So I'm glad I did it. I may end up testing others, but it's very hard to compare two air purifiers on the real functionality of how good of a job they're doing because you can't really see it. Um, I can always talk about and compare functionality. And I know that from, from say, the, the air that it blows example, you know, that Dyson one, it would be nice if it blew some hot air because I was freezing, man. When that air is blowing, it gets pretty cold. So that's the Dyson and Samsung air purifiers. I, um, I'm fascinated by it. And it, I was glad that I went out and did the research because I would have just ignored a lot of it. And it wasn't until that whole backburning thing happened by coincidence that the air purifier really was able to shine. So a fascinating, fascinating experience. Let me know what you think. Do you have an air purifier? Why do you have one? Um, and I'd love to know what sort of impact an air purifier may have had on you or your family by, by buying one. So do let me know. You know how to reach me. All right, guys, that is a wrap of the show today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. This has been an amazing show to, to do. And you know, from 12 months ago till now, I've looked forward to this every single week. I now look forward to doing it twice a week with an interview show. Um, we're going to continue to evolve it. I'm going to continue to take your feedback and evolve the show. Um, 
thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of this. Uh, whether it's you know 10 people in the room or more, I'll keep doing it. And uh, again, thank you for listening. If you have any questions, please do feel free to reach out to me, whether it's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or via email. I'm also working on some other ways that you can also reach me as well. If you haven't left a review, please feel free to go and do that. Otherwise, have an amazing week. Stay safe. And next week's interview is actually with Epson. We're going to be talking about printers, scanners, projectors, everything that Epson does offer. So stay tuned for that one next week. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Bye-bye.